0: I'm Euro. I'm Chris. And, and this, this is, is Fork Bomb. February 13th, 2017. What if Microsoft never existed is the topic of today's show. And we have a, another special guest with us. Gene
1: McCauley, longtime technologist and tech entrepreneur. Um, currently, most known for being the founder and owner of StackFrame LLC in Sanford, Florida, and he has been brought on because he, aside from being just a, from being just an all-around great guy, really cool has, dude, has uh, seen time and space and uh, was into the technology industry before Microsoft existed. So we're gonna have many questions.
2: Yeah, we're glad to have you on the show, Gene. Well, thank, uh, you. thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I listened to, after I you know, spoke to Chris about the podcast, I went back and listened to your first three, and it was, it was very entertaining. I'm, I'm happy to be here.
1: Thank you, him. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's great. Thanks. Gene, when did you get started with computing? Uh, what was your first experience with hardware, software? Um, When did you really get into it?
2: Sure. So, uh, let's see. It was around uh, nineteen eighty uh, It was my first uh messing around with computers. I was uh in a in a very uh fortunate kind of time and place there uh, the elementary school I went to had a couple of computers and and uh, my my family uh was willing to spend the the what I'd seemed at the time a ridiculous amount of money uh to give me a toy that I wanted uh because I thought it was interesting. And uh, spent a lot of time with it. So uh, around 1980, I think, was my first uh, tinkering on the computers, which would have been the uh, the uh, uh, Tandy Radio Shack uh, Model Three at the time, and the uh, color computer. So the nice. Radio
1: Shack Tandy was your your first uh, real desktop then.
2: Oh yeah, and well, I mean, it wasn't mine. So that was my first experience, you know, uh, with a computer. Was the was those two? Um, be, they were in my in my classroom, the elementary classroom. So I was able to 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 sit down with them and spend time. But I didn't own one until a couple years later. Uh, well, like a year later, I guess I got. Uh, so at the time, Radio Shack had this crazy little device called a pocket computer, which was very underpowered but could run BASIC. And again, you know, like I said, I convinced my parents that was like a good expense of money um which it barely was, and uh taught myself basic on that and then a couple years later, I got a Vic twenty from a summer of of uh you know mowing lawns and and working on boats, and then the next summer uh a commodore sixty four so those were my first first computers very neat um
1: I recently just learned what a VIC-20 is, and uh, the, the, the uh, history behind it is is uh, tumultu- tumultuous, that's not the right word, full of turmoil, and uh, very, very fascinating, but that'll have to be yeah, I, something for a, a, a another
2: episode. So, you know, I, I should say, though, I'm sorry, I just realized, I should say, just before that, I had an Atari 2600, which uh, was, was uh, not programmable unless you bought those terrible basic cartridges that came out like two years after it was available. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, I had a Atari 2600, but you couldn't really do much on that other than play really, really limited games.
1: Okay, so you were, you got into computing uh, right when Microsoft was first getting a start. So post Altair, um, but right when there were actual,
2: um, right right before they were big, right? Oh yeah, well, definitely. Uh, I mean, so at the time they weren't. I mean, it, they weren't a company I would recognize. Like I recognize, you know, Commodore and, and and Radio Shack and and Apple and IBM and stuff like that. But, but I do remember wondering what it meant every time you turned on a Commodore Sixty Four and it said, you know, Microsoft Basic when you when you started it up. I mean,
0: okay, so. So you did have uh, you did you were loading Microsoft uh, Basic on 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 your pro, on, on your computers like the Commodore had it I guess uh, did, it, did did the Tandy machine have it as well?
2: Yeah, well, just to just to clarify, loaded on no, it it was it was in the ROM. So when you hit, when you hit power, that's the first thing you saw was Microsoft Basic. Yeah, and the so the uh, the Color Computer, if I remember right, it dropped you right into Basic. The Model Three dropped you. You you started BASIC, I think, from the command prompt, but the VIC-20 and the Commerce 64 drop you right into a BASIC command prompt. I guess we should start there then,
1: with BASIC, because, I mean, um, I don't know if uh, you've ever played the game uh, Chrononauts, um, but it's set up as linchpins and ripple points. You change a linchpin in time, and it affects uh, ripple points, and so it seems like one solid linchpin here is the invention of BASIC or Microsoft's BASIC. So you said that that the Commodore 64 had Microsoft BASIC. So that's pretty much a, a direct descendant of the Tiny BASIC they made for the Altair, isn't it?
2: Uh, I think so. I'm not sure on that history. I, I, and the VIC-20 had, had Commodore BASIC as well. Uh, I was using the Commodore 64 as an example. And I'm pretty sure that the... Um, the, the basic that was in the T the R S eighties was was licensed from Microsoft as well. So yeah, they were they were pretty ubiquitous.
1: In that historical Microsoft video you sent me, Hero, I think they did say that it was Microsoft's basics. Microsoft's basic that made it into the uh, Commodore and the VIX. And, That's right. Um so yeah. So if they didn't make that basic, either somebody else's basic would have become ubiquitous or it just may not have happened
2: um. well and there's a there's a big first mover advantage there because you know all those machines at that time right so that time I'm talking about the Commerce 64 and the TRS-80 there's a bunch of weird little machines right that that didn't survive uh you know like nowadays yeah. we have this monoculture of hardware and software almost right uh, but you know everything's like x86 or arm but we had a lot of weird little machines but but like the TRS-80s um, all the, like the Model 3 and all those, they all had, they had a Z80 chip. A lot of things had a Z80, like the, the Spectrum uh, ZX81 and uh, a lot of other things. And then a lot of other things had the 6502. So the the Commodore VIC-20, the Cumber 64, the Apple two, they all had a 6502. And so if you're developing BASIC and you target those two chips, those two CPUs, then you know everybody who's building a computer on that. All you got do is make a very minor changes to input and output, and your basic will run on them. So whoever whoever gets there first has a huge advantage. And in in this case, that
1: was Microsoft.
0: That was Microsoft. Yes. So, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Yuro. Uh, well, so so basic uh, basic was was made in the actually in the nineteen sixties. Uh, but then but then it was refined to tiny basic, and then Microsoft just uh, took it and. Commercialized it uh with the Altair and they made some improvements between 1975 and 1979. There were there were improvements made to the to, to I guess basic. Um and then they made those deals with all those companies uh to load it into, into the firmware like like you said, Gene. So if we didn't have Microsoft do that, I, I think there would have been another company that would have stepped up. And I I think this is a good segue to digital research. Um, I think that Gary Kildall's company might have been the one to 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 actually do this. Uh, they were pretty big back then, uh, and and I think that they may have stepped up. They would have seen the opportunity. Uh, the the Altair uh, being there with with no operating system, and they may have they may have been the ones to do it. Uh, I'm not sure, but I wanna I wanna say that maybe. And then and then, would they have gone to to Apple and, and done that as well? I mean, Apple was really small, uh, especially back then. I mean, um, they were small. So would Apple have gone to digital research and and, and said, "Hey, uh, we need an operating system." I mean, that's what Microsoft did with the Altair that Microsoft went up to MITs and said, "We know you have, we know you have something special, but you need software for it, and we're here to do that for you." Would digital research have gone have gone to a small garage you know, little little garage company like Apple and said, Hey, we have an operating system here that that uh that, that could work on your machine. So that's one of those things where it's like, uh I, I don't know, because uh would they have seized that opportunity?
1: I think it's within the realm of uh plausibility because they were founded in nineteen seventy four. Um, when did the Altair come out?
0: 75, right? I think it was 1975. I better just look it up.
2: Uh, what do you think, Gene? I don't, I don't remember. That was slightly before my time, so anything I know about the Altair is from, you know, just just reading things about it. Um, I don't remember much of that.
1: Uh, so, uh fair enough. Well, let's say that... Yeah, let's just go with...
2: I think I would agree with
1: you. They would probably have been the uh, most likely. Um, e- even if it happened later, for all we know, it just could have been slightly delayed.
0: I mean, because you had other companies that had large... Uh, they had mainframe software. So I really doubt that HP would have gone to Apple and said, hey, we have an operating system that we can... Uh, that that you guys can have, or I guess pay the license. But... Um, uh, but I, I doubt a big company like HP would have done that. So that's what I'm thinking. That's why I'm thinking Digital Research may have been the one to step up. The other one could have been Atari, um, just because uh, I mean Atari had yes they, they had their 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 home consoles, but they were they were starting to develop their their computer line as well. So you know Atari could have, could have come up and and said hey we could we could license. We could work out a deal but uh but I really think that the strong uh contender here would have been digital research i think um, I, I think I just, you're right i just don't know if they would have i don't know if they would have um if they would have seized that opportunity just because of what happened later with i b m and and digital research so um but anyway so <laughs> it's uh it's really interesting to that, that point in history so early on that the different things that could have happened um that didn't but uh certainly interesting to theorize. So um I guess at this point we should probably jump a bit to the early 1980s. Um so no Microsoft so no basic um you have other stuff loaded in ROM possibly digital research uh let's say version of basic so so digital research Had their operating system um, CPM, and uh, I I believe it was written for for uh, quite a few different processors. So you had CPM eighty, which was written for the Z eighty, the Zilog processor, and then you had CPM eighty six, which was written for the IBM. Um, So Digital we (laughs) DOS wouldn't have been DOS. It would have been it would have been something like CPM or maybe even just DR DOS. Uh, which is which is really fun to theorize, and I actually never used CPM before. Uh, and and Gene, this is where uh, uh, I hope you can enlighten us, because because um, I'm not really familiar on what CPM was like. And uh, and and I, I guess you, you you used both, right? CPM and MS DOS at some point.
2: Yeah, I certainly used both. Uh, the uh, we the 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 thing that got me uh, you know involved in your podcast is that. You know, uh, Chris had mentioned uh, doing some research and I saw that he was studying CPM. And I mentioned, hey, we got a Capro 2 at the office. A K Capro 2 was this big luggable that came out in the mid-80s, I think. Um, and it was a it was a, a, the one of the first luggable computers. You know, it, it built like a, a big, enormous briefcase, like 40 pounds. And uh, the keyboard <laughs> folds out of it and it runs CPM uh, on the uh, Z80. I think it had an S100 bus. So that was, and that was pretty much at that time, that was the other standard was S100 bus, Z80 and CPM. So there was, there was like a lot of business software kind of coalescing around that standard.
0: So that's, that's great. That that That's still around. Uh, that's, that's amazing. I, I, I actually want to know why <laughs> that's, th- that,
2: that machine is there. Uh, you know what? I don't even think it boots anymore. The last time I tried to boot it was at least 10 years ago. Uh more than uh-huh. 10 years ago. Uh, but it just looks funny sitting in the office. We got it in we have this lab area and you've got all these iMacs and you know a a, a small rack of server hardware and then there's a 2 and a and an uh, original uh Fat Mac, a 512k uh Macintosh sitting there. That's and so, great. Uh, I just think it's amusing to have it there and I can't bear to throw it away. And you never should.
0: No, no, don't. Uh, yeah, that's that's an important part of history. So I have to ask, what what was that like
1: uh, using CPM? You said it was your main workstation for a while. I know very early on um, if you made a change to the disk, the operating system uh, w- wouldn't know about it and you could very easily corrupt um, the entire disk until a later version of CPM where at least it would say, where at least it would throw an error and hang the system, but uh, the uh, first version, um, you can make a change, the OS wouldn't know, and you would just start writing bad data. Did you ever have? I, to I didn't have any
2: experience with that version. I don't know. Uh, I didn't even know that. Um, the so the bulk of my CPM experience was using that Pro two. There were some other machines uh, that I used CPM on, though. I can't remember all of what they were. There was a in the, in the town I grew up in, there was a little computer shop and they had, you know, this zoo of, of machines. Uh, you know, it, it would seem like now, right? Because they've all, you know, they've all died off. But, um, so I got to tinker around with these computers. But the that K-Pro2 was the most I spent any time on doing CPM. And you could certainly shoot yourself in the foot. But but what you would normally do though is that uh, that K-Pro2 had, had two floppy drives and no hard drive, of course. And so everything you did... Uh, that wasn't in RAM if you were dealing with a file you were dealing with one of those sloppy drives and you would generally What would what would happen is you you would uh, put in one one five and a quarter inch disk to boot CPM the machine would come up uh, then you would put in a, uh, a, a disk into one drive for your application like a word processor and Then you would put another disk into the other drive for your data So okay, I'm going to work on a document and that documents on this disk I'd put it in that that drive B drive a would have the the disk with the with the program on it that's the word processor which you know potentially bits of it getting paged out uh swapped in and out uh over, they were called overlays at the time you'd have you know not all the program could fit in memory so it would run part of the program and then maybe you want to invoke a spell corrector so it would it load in the spell corrector part of the program and run that uh but but when you were doing that you generally run that from a from a read-only disk you know a disk with the uh with a uh, you know the, uh, the tab covered so you couldn't write to it. There was a little uh, tab, an optical sensor, and the drive uh, was just a way to tell: is this meant? Is this disk meant to be read-only or read-write? So I don't remember ever having trouble like that. The, the most trouble I had was just you know limitations of the hardware, like you know those disks were lossy. Like if you uh, you know if you didn't use one for a while, someone got a magnet too close, you know you'd lose a few bits here or there, and, and something would be corrupted.
1: I see.
0: Um. Chris, I looked this up and, and uh so basically what would happen is if you if you inserted the disk and you typed in dir to to get the directory of the disk okay um and then you you took out the disk and you put in another disk and you started writing to that disk it would still think that the directory structure is still like the other disk and it would corrupt everything ah. so that was uh, yeah that was the first version of CPM uh 1.0 uh, so so i i don't remember i actually don't know uh, which version fixed that i want to say 2 or even 3.0 but uh but yeah that was uh that was that was definitely fixed but uh that's how that worked um so so cpm uh Gene, could did you did you have enough experience in in in, in with cpm to be able to compare it to ms dos
2: it it, um. it felt really similar um so early versions of dos were a, a lot like cpm just little things were changed uh, like the names of basic uh not you know not basically programming language but like rudimentary commands were slightly different and it's far enough far enough away in time now that i can't remember exactly what was different but it really felt the same you just had to remember what was different you know the little bits were different it wasn't like the difference between like you know, Dawson Unix or or Dawson, you know, Windows or whatever. It was it was it was it was really just like a different flavor of the same thing. That was where the uh, the conventions for like
1: a drive, b drive got started. Typing dir to get a directory listing.
2: Yeah, I seem to remember like the slashes were in a different direction or something. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Um, but little things like that, like um, you just had to remember which one you were on but every but but the overall fundamentals were the same i
1: do remember reading that the copy command was especially weird it didn't have the word copy at all in it
2: yeah i don't remember that but but certainly you know you got the you had to make both of them had to make decisions about what was a built-in command and what was a program that ran off the disk right like dir has to be a, a program that's built in because you don't want to load a program called dir off the disk to read the disk right and so i seem to remember they had different had made different decisions about which were actual programs and which were built-in commands
1: pip pip.com uh pip that was the copy
0: command
2: oh yeah yeah okay that's vaguely familiar to me
0: yeah that that actually um actually gene that now that you pointed that out uh, about the uh, the different commands uh, either being built in or actual separate programs uh was one of the reasons why cpm was so popular amongst other uh, uh a lot of different vendors uh, was because CPM had the the two components. So you had that CCP component, and you had the um, oh boy, I had the name and I already forgot. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was CCP and C C BIOS. Um, uh, the first one just handling uh, the the input output, and and then the other one handling uh, I believe was applications. Uh, I don't I don't know I don't know this part uh too well, but anyway, what what it was uh, what made it easy was that they only had to write to the first part, um that was that was the part that was customizable the the BIOS portion, okay you had to customize that for each computer the Commodore PET and and uh, the, um, the different systems, uh the K Pro being another one, and then the other the other subsystem that CCP system, um that that could stay the same so only the 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 portion that had to be written that was that was the only thing that had to change and then they could just create another version of uh of um CPM so that that made it very popular with uh uh with vendors and that that's why CPM had uh was was popular at the time uh so they could do that with the Z80 chip and the 8088 and the 8086 and whatnot um so I was just thinking about uh, about CVM, and I I, I always I, I wonder, you know. Okay, so if we had gone the digital research route, uh, well, I think Gary Kildall would still be alive today. Uh, sadly, he passed, uh, in I guess unknown circumstances, right? Because nobody really knows what happened. Um, Early '90s, uh, there was a there was a
1: a bar fight involved, um, but after that, these circumstances are murky. But um, I guess we've been kind of dancing all around the uh, main point of this. Uh, what wound up happening was, originally IBM wanted to go with with a digital research to use CPM for the main operating system of the IBM PC, but they were not able to agree on terms. And this was even after Microsoft had s- said to IBM, yeah, go with CPM. Um, so they... Um, so they weren't able to agree on terms and then they went with microsoft instead so maybe they would have it was a
0: non non disclosure agreement they they couldn't agree on that that's right uh, um
1: dri didn't want to sign the nda right
0: ibm was very secretive about their uh, their their personal computer so they they had everybody sign strict uh, non disclosure agreements and uh, dri just they just um they just, just weren't going to do it. I mean, there's that there's that uh there's that rumor out there that apparently Gary Kildall was was flying his jet <laughs> during the time that IBM came calling, but that's that's not true. Uh, um but uh yeah, what really happened was a non-disclosure agreement. They wouldn't agree to it and so uh Microsoft did and well that's kind of how uh how that came to be, so maybe there would have been
1: a, a bit more haggling back and forth or uh something that we we uh, didn't consider um I mean Microsoft bought dos from oh jeez, I should know this, I am terrible for not knowing this
0: uh Seattle
1: Seattle Computer yes Company. yes, thank you uh for yep. all we know um di- digital research may have said no. IBM may have found out about uh Seattle Computer Company and that person may have uh won the license agreement with IBM.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's another possibility. Um although that version of uh of DOS was pretty much a clone of CPM. So that was uh that that, that was why they were so uh so close and um and that that's that's why Um, they just basically bought it from them and, and, and put Microsoft on the label, uh, modified it just a bit for the IBM BIOS and then that's it. Uh, and, uh, that kind of, you know, actually Chris, they, they actually did sell CPM as well because IBM, uh, realized that since, since that other product was a clone of CPM that they could, they could get into some kind of legal, uh, troubles. So they, they also offered CPM as a, uh, as a software to uh, for the IBM PC, but I believe the price was something like $240, and this is $240 for back then, which is more. <laughs> well, if I, if uh, I remember right,
2: the, the first versions of CPM you could get on the PC required a card you put in that had a Z80 on it. Um, and so you could run the Z80 CPM software on there. And basically it used the IBM PC there as just like an input-output system. Okay. So what do you think, was, Gene? Well, about which part about the uh, how well dr dos would have done or um which which way it would have gone oh no i, I d- mean uh i don't know i mean i think i seen it's a reasonable uh it's a reasonable guess that that uh digital research uh you know would have <laughs> would have taken over there uh i really don't know i, I haven't thought about it too much um the uh um it certainly, uh, you know, the path you described uh, seems plausible to me. Just like you said,
0: so I, I think that if IBM had not done that uh, bad deal with DRI uh, about offering a CPM for two hundred forty, while MS DOS was being offered for forty dollars, um, so everybody, of course, went to went and got the Microsoft product. Um, I, I think people may have trusted DRI more because, I mean. Back then, DRI was a big thing. They they were they were a respectable company. Well, just to be uh, clear,
2: just to be clear, you know, when you, you say you know people made a choice for Microsoft, they uh you know the the earliest versions of of the IBM PC actually for for quite a number of years, every time you bought one, you had MS DOS. It was called IBM DOS or whatever. That's on PC DOS. Um, sure, yeah. but, but no one, no one made that choice, right? The, they, they mm-hmm. spent, they spent $2,500 to get a, to get a machine. It had Microsoft's DOS in it already. And so to go buy something else would have been an extra decision to make.
0: Yeah, well, they certainly didn't want to pay the extra amount, uh, to, to load the other version either. So, um, uh, that, that definitely hurt, um, digital research sales, um, so they had to move on to other things cuz i mean they still they still of course sold cpm and ported it over to other systems but without ibm's uh computers selling with with cpm i mean that that basically i mean after a while i believe it was uh, around 1985 86 that the cpm was pretty much done uh not even magazines were covering it anymore uh so so everything uh kind of was geared towards uh, microsoft uh Microsoft didn't just stay at at DOS though which is another important thing uh Microsoft started developing quickly started developing uh uh business applications uh, they saw that uh, t- catering to biz- the the business sector was uh, was where the money was going to be and and what was going to drive sales so they developed uh Microsoft Word pretty quickly and then ported it over to the Apple and whatnot so I, I'm just also thinking okay so digital research would um uh i mean i guess they they could have formed their own office products or or maybe they would have just uh left uh visicalc as the main excel uh program and uh uh you know the other the other companies to develop their own office software so it's just interesting microsoft engulfed so many other uh products uh that you, so you had the office line and then you had the you had the the other the other products uh that that came out I just wonder if there would be a lot more. I want to say the competition was there, but Microsoft was—it was like the EA of of the business world, and of operating systems. They were just uh, engulfing everything, and and so people were like, "Oh, I'm running MS DOS. I'm also going to buy MS Word." And uh, and there was that whole thing about pr- programs running better on MS DOS uh, that were Microsoft programs because they uh, they had some. Uh, uh, they they weren't uh documenting some functions of their operating system so they had hidden hidden routines that would make their soft uh their software run better i don't know if this is true or not but it certainly sounds like something that they could do <laughs> given that they controlled the operating system as well um but uh but yeah
1: yeah this is... just to draw a line in the sand since this since this is about speculation and painting an alternate timeline i just want to be sure that we've agreed on the same thing so far um Digital Research would have created Basic and most likely would have gotten the IBM deal. Correct?
0: Yes, absolutely. I don't know if the IBM deal would have been a little bit different, um, but but yeah, absolutely. They would have gotten the IBM deal. CPM would be loaded on pretty much everything.
2: Uh, what about Eugene? Well, so I think that's, that's interesting, right? So that's the so so in Microsoft not only you know delivered Basic for the ibm pc they delivered they delivered dos right so uh they delivered the the api that people wrote applications against and i remember back uh at that time if you bought an application for the ibm pc the like the original ibm pc and you know the at and stuff like that the xt uh there were two kinds of applications at that time pre-windows right you had applications that would would poke at the hardware and figure out what to do and 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 work directly with the hardware, which were considered to be bad citizens because they couldn't easily be upgraded to an X version of of DOS or something, right? And then the applications which use right. the DOS API, they would actually talk to the DOS methods or the DOS interrupts uh, there's an interrupt you called, and then you know you basically uh, program against the the DOS uh, API uh, to get stuff done, like writing the files and stuff like that. And then some things, you know, use directly the PC BIOS, right? So uh so anyway, so IBM you know created this this substrate upon which a whole industry got built. And and it was good enough, right? It was it was you had all these uh all these vendors building software against against this uh interface. Well what if what if DR, what if DRI hadn't done as good a job of that? What if they had made a stinker of an OS that people couldn't easily target, or maybe you know, DRI would charge them ridiculous royalties or something, or expensive developer licenses to to get their stuff on there. And that's a way they could have thrown it. That's a way they could have screwed it up, and IBM's PC wouldn't have been so dominant. And then maybe you know, Apple would have taken over. The Apple II was a was a viable business machine at that time. Uh, it was just because the IBM was was a was a overall better deal that uh, that it took over. That's something I did not consider. That that's
0: that's really yeah, um, absolutely, uh, Gene. Uh, absolutely, I think you're right um, because Microsoft was at that time they were the only company that offered an operating system, a programming language, and application software for the IBM. I mean, they offered all of that. So that was a, that was pretty much the complete package. So a CPM had had only done a portion of it or done a really bad job at it. I mean, would another company have come up like Apple? Uh, they were already well established at that time. Uh, you know, would would that have taken over, and then we would just all be running Apple's today? Um, that I don't that know. Sounds more likely to me, Gene. Now that you mention it, because I
1: mean, yes, Microsoft may not have been there, but while I certainly didn't know Gary Kildall, um, I've watched him a lot on the Computer Chronicles, um, and. When, when combined with the history that we know about him, it doesn't seem like he would have been any more uh, willing to go along with IBM's NDA. So either um, – I think it just probably wouldn't have happened, the video yeah, so or it, it would I have don't happened, like much... you said, they would have
2: thrown it. I don't know how much. So the IBM was this very open system, right? In some ways, too open. Like I said, that that people were programming sometimes directly against the hardware instead of using the, the correct abstraction level. And 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 you know, the original IBM PC it came with at the time, you know, the Apple II as well. They came with schematics. It came with schematics and and everything you needed to know about the machine. Um, and so, which of course, this is totally different from the from the Macintosh era, where where there's a very clear divide between you're a user or a developer. Uh, you're not, uh, not everybody's just like assumed to be, you know, given everything about like where resistors and capacitors are on the machine, right? And so, um, so what I'm getting at is I don't know how much of that decision about openness or, or lack of a decision. Like some of it was like IBM didn't even really think about, you know, what the what the long-term future of the IBM PC is when they put it out. In fact, they were surprised, right, about like how many were sold. It was you, and And you saw that in the, you know, later on. You know, IBM put out this, you know, the PS2 line with the microchannel architecture, which no one supported because it cost so much to license it uh, that, you know, IBM basically made it impossible to work with them. So I don't know how much of that decision was, was, you know, IBM keeping things open, maybe, maybe through benign neglect. Right. And how much of that openness was, was, was Bill Gates and company seeing we've got to get the ecosystem built. Um, to get people using this, right, I, and and I would I would say that you know, maybe that is a lot, Bill Gates, right? Uh, you know, making sure those developers are are, are brought on board. That's a, that's a very good point. So,
1: I think Absolutely. I think what we can definitively say is, without the combination of IBM and Microsoft, the standard may not have been as strong as it is now. So, uh, for the sake of time, we do need to move forward a little bit. So, then at this point, we have players like Apple, Commodore, Atari. So if that standard never came to be um, and never became agreed upon within the development community, the user community, the hardware community, um, do you think that uh, hardware and software would be much more siloed than it is today?
2: I think it's very possible. I mean, at at that time, uh, so I, at that time, so I was, you know, like I you know, a guy tinkering with all these systems. You really couldn't, you really couldn't write a piece of software that would work on all these systems without without significant effort. you know, there were video games and stuff. You mentioned EA, which is which is funny because they were like they're like you know the company I remember as a kid. You know, was like was like the hero of of, of you know making software uh, for these platforms. But you know what they called a port. It was basically rewriting the whole application again for this other platform. Now what we could consider a report these days where you like, you just have to plug in a different abstraction layer or something. And so, and, and those vendors, they really didn't want, you know, they, you know, they, you know, the Atari didn't want you to run Apple software. Uh, so they made it hard. So the, you know, it was actually, you know, antagonistic to what you as a developer or user would want is, you know, not, not tying your, your investment in hardware to your investment in the rest of the ecosystem uh, all those all those vendors at the time really didn't get that they they were they were not really thinking about the long term in terms of portability and stuff like that
0: um i uh i think that this would be a good time to to go into the the GUI operating systems um so so as we all know windows came out uh so windows 1.0 came out in november of 85 and uh, it didn't do that well, actually, in the beginning. But it was competing against the Macintosh. So let's take Microsoft out of the equation. You would have the Mac, but you would also have DR's GEM operating system. And Atari, with their modified version of GEM called uh, TOS, uh, which some people joke and say that's a Tramiel operating system. It doesn't mean that, but... <laughs> uh, Jack Tramiel. Anyway, um, so, so I'm wondering... Uh, between all of those, if they would all have closed systems and there was no openness, uh, which one would, would would go on top? I mean, uh, you know, what would what would what would we all be, what would be running? What would we be running today instead of Windows? You know, I think it
1: would have been. And we might. Have, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go I ahead. think it would have been anything that Jack Trammell touched, because the only one that was as driven and ruthless as Bill Gates, if not more so, was him.
0: Well, business is war, right? That's his words. <laughs> that was his slogan. Um, so, so if we go that route, then Atari would, they would, uh, Atari Computers would would still be around uh, today, and uh, and we would have Tos version seven hundred eighty six or whatever. Uh, but um, but that's really interesting because because Atari Computers, uh, they they did. They did okay, and then they did really bad somewhere in the 90s. Uh, and then that was it for Atari. Um, if we would all be running Atari software, uh, well, that would have also affected the console market. Uh, well, I know that Atari... Uh, go ahead. Sure. I'm sorry. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, It's interesting because... Uh, so Atari... Um, Atari were the only ones that were able to kind of mimic the GUI that Mac, that Apple had uh, established for the for the Mac. Um, Gem, with their version, Gem OS 1.0, looked a lot like the uh, like the Mac OS, but they had some agreement with, uh, I think it was Atari, uh, that their look and feel couldn't be the same. So because of that, uh, they had to change it in, in Gem 2.0, they had to change the look and feel of the GUI while the Atari stayed uh Atari TOS stayed the same so uh, i'm wondering at this point would would the Atari ST line of computers have have been the direct competitor to to the Macintosh and would it would it have been then the Macintosh the IBM and the Atari and we're also forgetting and we can't forget because that computer is just amazing the Amiga with their workbench software that's true. On the other hand um,
1: the thing about Jack Trammell was he in the case of Atari versus Commodore he wasn't looking at the bigger picture. He got into feuds. He got into blood rivalries. And yeah. he his goal was at first crush TI and then crush Commodore. So maybe he may have Uh, done well on a smaller scale, just like he did before, but due to that narrow-sidedness, maybe he still would have uh, went under, and Apple would be the the, the dominant player. Because it seemed like even back then they were looking at the the larger picture, looking for uh, true dominance rather than just trying to kill one other company.
0: Yeah, I mean, Apple went straight. Uh, they they were competing against IBM. I I, I never heard of Apple com- trying to compete against uh, Atari or Commodore. They were trying to compete against IBM, uh, except Apple wasn't doing that great in somewhere in the mid nineties. So, um, but if you didn't have Microsoft as competition, they may have done a lot better. Uh, um, yeah. Uh,
1: what are your thoughts so far, Gene?
2: Well, it, I'm I've been thinking about that. It's interesting to think about. I hadn't really thought about so so before you said all that. I would have I would have pegged Apple as the as the winner if there had been no the winner of the you know standardizing the ecosystem at least for business software, which then ended up being the big influencer on on home use. Right. So so we had this kind of world where home computers were really where where a lot of uh, innovation was happening. And then IBM came in and standardized, you know, business systems, and and then that that led to standardization back into the home systems, right? But uh, but you had all these different systems in the home. Uh, so the so the Atari four hundred eight hundred, I had a little experience messing with those. I never owned one, but but I tinkered with them uh, in in schools and computer stores and stuff like that. And, and my friends had them, um, and and Amigas, of course. But neither one strikes me as having had having had the ability to manage an ecosystem like you like the Atari 800 i remember was considered pretty powerful but not considered at all usable for like like seriously usable for business like the Macintosh and the, and the PC was and so while while I, it's it's possible to imagine an Atari that that figured that out at the at the time i seem to remember the Atari uh being really most focused on on home stuff and where it was doing business work. It was very light business work. Whereas, you know, the IBM and, and, and the Macintosh both had, you know, these bigger aspirations. Uh, and then Amiga. Yeah, man, I love the Amiga too, but they never got their act together. And, and it's easy though to imagine, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, Apple having its trouble in the mid nineties. um, and you know, of course, a lot of that was just uh, due to, to them being rudderless. Uh, you know, they, they fired Steve Jobs, and, and maybe that was a good thing at the time. I'm not sure that an Apple run by Steve Jobs uh, continuously would—I'm pretty sure it would not be the Apple it is today, right?
0: Well, we wouldn't have had a next computer, and uh, and the next powered OS X. So, um, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing that we could talk about. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's it's definitely um uh, that's too bad about the Amiga 2. I keep going back to it because I'm just I was blown away. Uh but that's that's too bad. I, I I but I agree. I don't think uh so Amiga never really got their act together. Commodore pretty much screwed them and and because of that, I I don't really think Amiga would have been uh they 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 wouldn't have been it. It would have been between Apple and uh and IBM. I I wonder if IBM would have come up with their own GUI like OS two. Except OS two was originally developed by Microsoft, and then Microsoft dropped the ball, and um, so IBM went went on its own and, and continued building OS two. Um, so so let's just say Microsoft didn't do that. They, they didn't. They didn't even. They weren't even involved in OS two. Um, would IBM had come up? Would they have come up with their own GUI to compete? Uh, against apple and atari and commodore in the home market i think they would have
2: yeah i think they would have too i, I think they would have so it's uh. Uh, it's
1: funny that you mention um the alternate route that apple would have taken um it's fun to wonder if that rivalry was not there between jobs and gates if if uh, Jobs would have stayed there, and if they had stayed there, and this is just uh, looking a little bit further ahead, i and I'll 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 come right back to the IBM. Um, if he had stayed there, like you said, Next wouldn't have happened. If Next wouldn't have happened, OS X would have happened. The underpinnings of iOS would not have happened, at least in its current form. And for all we know, i without that history in place, mobile devices may not be recognizable compared to what they are today or the mobile re- revolution may not have even happened
0: um well i mean i think our operating systems would look a lot more like palm like palm and maybe blackberry um microsoft had their own mobile operating system and i'm just talking about strictly mobile microsoft had their mobile os uh their their what was it windows ce uh, I forget. Um, it was Windows. But uh, okay, so so yeah, our, our phones would probably be dominated by um by BlackBerry. I mean, they'd had nothing to do with uh with Microsoft, and they they had strong government contracts and whatnot. But absolutely, we wouldn't have these iOS uh, devices. Um, I actually don't even know if we would be uh, at least in 2017 if we would still have the if we would have the touch uh the touch phones with the an iPad and whatnot. Uh, we may still have the keyboards. Uh, I don't think BlackBerry, um, well, I can't really say for sure, but uh, I don't really think they were they were going that direction. So, yeah, that's another interesting thing. Um, I can go back to uh, IBM and Commodore and whatnot and, and say that HP might have come out and done something like purchase Commodore. Because Commodore wasn't doing very well in the early 90s and if microsoft wasn't around uh and hp thought that they could get into the home market uh because there was no real strong contender except apple maybe perhaps ibm's os2 although that, that could change things up but hp might have bought something like commodore instead of developing their own uh was it pc clones with microsoft software so
1: that's very possible it's possible.
0: Okay, so how about we
1: um, we start considering? Um, let's start looking a bit ahead because it's it's fun to sit around here in the '80s and '90s, figure out what what would have happened, who would have came out on top. But let's let's look at stuff that we can, um, with some level of confidence, say would either not be here or would be, just be here in a completely different form. Unix definitely would have been there.
0: I was about to say that Unix um, and enterprise software, for sure, absolutely. Um, For home computers, uh, perhaps, yeah. Microsoft, at first, was the uh,
1: biggest developer of Unix, starting with Xenix, but IBM killed that. But other forms of Unix came along, Berkeley still would have
0: done its thing. Gene, did you ever use Xenix?
2: I got to tinker with Xenix a little bit. And the so the Radio Shack store that was in the town where I live, which I said like I said, I was lucky that it was there that they had like a full Radio Shack store that every you know possible thing there. Uh, and and they had like an open door policy. I I come in there as a kid and tinker with anything unless they were demoing something. So I got to tinker with Xenix. If I remember right, it was on the model two and the model sixteen ran Xenix. And uh, it, it, but I remember it, it took like thirty minutes to boot. Like it, it booted off these eight-inch floppy drives, uh, and there was uh, mm-hmm. and and like the machine they had there, like had a hard drive, but it wasn't installed. And so it like took it was ridiculous. It took like it, literally like twenty-five or thirty minutes to boot before we could do anything with it. And so of course you know being a kid and having a short attention span, I would wander over to something else where you turn it on, you can immediately start hacking on it, right? Um. So, okay. <laughs> but but. So so, while I did get my fingers on Unix, I had no idea what I was messing with at the time. I didn't under, I didn't I had never heard of Unix. You know, it, it really, and, and and everybody was living well. At least everybody in my situation was living in a bubble then, right? Like the only thing I can, you, the only way you learn about the rest of the world was going to the um to the uh, pharmacy and, and buying a magazine about you know whatever's going on in computers that month. And so, uh, you know, there was no internet. There was no no other way to know uh, about anything. And so, so Xenix was like this alien software to to me. Sure. Speaking of the internet, because we
1: still would have had Unix, we still would have the internet.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, a very big win for Microsoft was, uh, was including Internet Explorer in Windows 95 um so that that definitely drove a lot of people to use the internet well let's uh so i I, uh
1: before you go further sorry to cut you off let's make a a a differentiation the internet and the web those are not the same things okay so Um, microsoft popularized the web with internet explorer
0: Sure. I mean, you had other you had other service providers, um, like uh, like what is it, uh, Prodigy and Genie. Uh, so I I guess uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, they did popularize the web, the, the you know websites, web pages, and whatnot. Well, you could. I mean, you could uh, totally
2: take that to okay. So so at the time, the first thing I used was CompuServe, which was this terribly expensive, uh, you know, precursor to 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 Prodigy and, and Genie and things like that. Um, I remember, uh, you know, I used BBSs and CompuServe were my introduction to, you know, to any kind of networking at all, uh, which is over dial-up and, and uh, very slow and, and, and all text-based. But you had AOL at the time. So if you really want to imagine a terrible, a terrible future, a terrible alternate history is, you know, imagine that Windows 95 doesn't take off, uh, that Bill Gates doesn't realize, hey, uh, the web is the way to do things, and they back AOL. And everybody's using AOL instead of the web
0: that's possible yeah yeah having having proprietary software and running these uh what were they like links um their their own it was almost like a aol i don't want to call it intranet but they had their own keywords and whatnot with their software so it it is possible that 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 may have happened another thing that i that i think could have happened was uh unix unix and uh some something like uh like mozilla um they 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 could have popularized the web, uh, instead of having Internet Explorer or even Netscape. Netscape had uh, their browser too. They could have popularized the web. But uh, you're right. Yeah, that's you know AOL. They were they were a strong player back then. So if there was no Internet Explorer, and uh, that they, they they might have been they might have been uh, still they might still be around, or at least as as we think of back then. I think there's yeah. There might not have been a
1: web if the alternate timeline that we talked about where Next didn't happen, uh, Tim Berners-Lee invented the web on a Next machine. That was the first web server. That's where the first web browser was created and ran. So, I mean, maybe he would have emitted it elsewhere and on something else. But the hardware and software you that that he was using may not have been around.
2: I mean, your your modern web could be a more uh, more a descendant of Gopher, for example.
1: That's definitely going to be a topic of a, a another episode. Yeah, I mean when I when yeah,
2: I first encountered the web, uh, you know, it was it was through Gopher. I went through a Gopher uh, browser to to find the web. And when you say the web, you mean uh, something similar to the web, like text and hyperlinks.
1: Um, it ran on the internet, but it wasn't HTTP. Well,
2: through through a Gopher browser, I found a page that described the web and said this is a better this is a better option. It was Tim Berners Lee's site, right? And it said ah. this is a better option than Gopher. And here's a browser. And here's what you need to do to get started with that. I see.
0: Very very interesting. Uh, yeah yeah we, <laughs> absolutely yeah. This is um, see that the more we go off into the future, that the more hazy it becomes. So so, um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what uh, what the web would look like today. Uh, you know what? It's possible that Tim Berners Lee would have developed the quote unquote web in a different machine later on, and so our web today wouldn't look like it does today. We'd probably be a few years back.
2: Yeah, I mean Tim Berners Lee's invention. You know, the, the 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 cool thing he did isn't the browser or the server. The cool thing he did. Is HTTP in the URL? Because before that, you had no way to, to to uniquely describe something somewhere, right? So you'd tell somebody, hey, there's a file you want. You want the Linux kernel. You want to go download this crazy Linux thing, which I was doing at the time before the web, right? I mean, you had to like go uh, go log into this FTP server in Switzer, I mean uh, Sweden, and uh, from this university and, and download it. Uh, and so, but if you wanted to tell someone where that is, you couldn't give them just one canonical string to do that. You had to say, Oh, go to this FTP site, log in anonymously, go to this directory and download that. Or, and then it was gopher. Well, you could, there was like no easy ways that say, you'd say, well, go to this gopher site, follow these different links, and you'll go get the document I'm talking about. And so, so Tim Berners-Lee wanted to unify how you describe the documents, right? give every document a noun uh, so, that you, so that you could pass these around to each other. And so, so he could have built that atop gopher or something else.
1: He could have, sure. and he probably would have done it on some other variant of of Unix.
2: Yeah, it, no, he could have built the whole thing on top of FTP. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I, I think this. And then we would all need an extra port running for our, our web servers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, in this alternate universe, I, I, I foresee Unix being the the king in enterprise software, unless IBM pull the a rat a bit out of the tat with OS2. Um, OS2 or TOS or Mac OS would have been the, the, uh, the operating system of choice for personal computers for home computers. I, I, th- I think that might've gone to Mac OS. Uh, and, uh, and what about, what about gaming? So MS-DOS I mean, they, I don't want to say that they were the only ones doing PC gaming back then, absolutely not, but they definitely helped, they helped, they helped the PC get mainstream support, you know, Windows 95 made it popular, DirectX, the API that DirectX brought, brought us, uh, unifying architecture to where we could have different video cards, and then, and then, um, OpenGL, of course, they were around too, but... Let's just say DirectX was a huge proponent of getting us uh, games nowadays. So, what would what would gaming look like today um, if Microsoft wasn't around? I mean, I don't remember Mac OS games being amazing uh, back then. Even Windows three point one games were pretty terrible, uh, but DOS games were pretty good. So, would we be running games on on CPM? Well,
1: maybe the <laughs> maybe the maybe the Amiga might still be around as the uh, dominant game platform because that was r- right around when the Amiga started to fail. Um, when, when windows started to eat their lunch, when DOS and windows started to eat their lunch, when it came to games, um, that was right when things were yeah. really going downhill. So maybe we st- yeah. might still have some awesome PC gaming going on. Um, on the Amiga platform, maybe on the Atari's too. Uh, we definitely would not have an Xbox that much. We know for sure. Um, oh yeah. But that—that's consoles. That's later. So yeah, I think uh, my opinion. I think the Amiga would might still be around in some form and come out on top as a gaming system, assuming they managed to get their management together, which they might not have either. Um, the only other viable alternative for app gaming, as you said, on PCs was Apple and yeah, that's never been
0: good. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree that Amiga could have been the dominant, uh, gaming platform for, uh, I guess, quote unquote, PC gaming, not, not console gaming, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. After seeing what the Amiga could do, I could see it as being the the platform. Um, CPM games, though, might have been something similar to DOS. So we also need to think about that. I mean, there were a lot of Amiga games that also ran on DOS. Um, and then Atari, of course, had some, some games on their system that were ported over to the Amiga and vice versa. So... It, it, I, it's interesting, but I, I definitely saw the Amiga as having the better hardware. Um, would would uh, what would CPM have been friendly enough to developers to to be able to make really really good PC games that would compete with the Amiga and, and possibly win? Uh, I don't know, but uh, but I, I definitely see the Amiga as being a strong contender. Um, they just had really really terrible management, so. <laughs> uh, were you much? It's hard to theorize. Were you much into
1: uh, early, early uh, PC gaming, Gene?
2: No, not at all. Uh, in fact, I'm, it's funny listening to you guys talk about that. I'm trying to think about you know what that would look like because I I, I played some games early on, you know, in the Commodore 64. I never played any PC games really. A little bit here and there. I played Sim City, for example. Uh, but um, and then a couple years ago, I played Portal. That was fun. But oh, I didn't finish it. I, I I barely finished the game. But um, but it's interesting. You mentioned that because the um, you know, you mentioned how how terrible Windows 3.1 and early Windows 95 was and Apple was for gaming, and that's mostly because the game developers needed to work directly with the hardware to get the performance they wanted, and you couldn't do that with Windows 3.1 or when in Windows 95, and, and certainly not on the Macintosh. Right? You couldn't talk directly to the hardware. Uh, that way, but but on the PC with DOS, you could just drop down to the hardware and do it right. Um, you know, and, and it was terrible because you know if, if you were loading a game on the PC, you had to tell it all these things when you installed it. Like I have a sound blaster and it's on interrupt three versus interrupt five, and I've got this kind of joystick and it's on interrupt seven versus interrupt eleven, and I've got this kind of graphics card because none of that was standard, right? So so you know, and and you couldn't safely probe those things. And so it really it, it held back the market because people really only geeks bought games. You couldn't just buy a game uh, like you can now and 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 someone play it. But but you, you know something you said, Chris, made me wonder. You didn't mention Nintendo, right? So so I'm wondering like whoever had the best hardware had a big advantage, but also whoever cultivated the ecosystem had an advantage. Is it possible that one of those console games could have evolved into into the, the, the best gaming platform? Um, maybe. I still think that there would still be a
1: definite uh, separation between console gamers and PC gamers. Um, you may be familiar with the uh, term uh, PC master race and uh, dirty console peasants. <laughs> so, uh, no i was not until now <laughs> so that uh, i think um that separation may still be around but i do think however that the console market would be uh very different um uh, maybe for example the the uh, dreamcast may still have a shot um at being alive sega might still be in the hardware industry um the amiga 32 <laughs> would be king yeah they they did have a a dedicated game console
0: no but it didn't do well against uh nintendo and, uh, and no actually microsoft wasn't even around i mean they weren't doing consoles back then anyway when when the amiga 32 failed so
1: nintendo would still yeah. be dominant um it back then with gaming certainly
0: it'd be mostly between nintendo and sony i think today and it'd kind of be like uh like intel and amd uh you know choose uh, and you don't have any other choice
1: (laughs) yeah and right now i mean the the uh, market is is has been bearing three consoles for decades so it it could be nintendo sony and um,
0: sega still maybe yeah 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 that's true um you know i i wanted to talk about another part which was um and actually this 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 has to do with that unifying architecture gene that you were talking about, and it's uh, you know how people build computers nowadays. We buy the processor and motherboard and graphic cards and everything. We put it all together. Um, without, without MS DOS, and then and then Windows, uh, would we still would we do? it? <laughs> would we be doing that today? Um, or or would that be all just? proprietary parts for individual computers like the commodore and the amiga and so
2: you know i don't know there's an interesting path dependence there because because really it was you know like you know ibm's like i described before is benign neglect about you know creating the standard without even really planning for it that that allowed that to be possible but but what if what if someone didn't do that right what if they you know if, if whoever won you know said no you may not you may not, you know, deal with these low-level details. You've got to program to our API so we can improve things, innovate beneath you, right? And so so that was both a good thing and a bad thing. You know, you had, you had, you know, stuff, you know, Windows would have loved to be able to, to ditch DOS earlier, right? So that not every application had to know about which printer you had and said it could, you know, put that into a printing API, right? But... Uh, but yeah, what, what if you, what if you had this, this API that, that software programmed against and wasn't allowed to know about anything below that hardware abstraction layer? Yeah. You might see a lot of other crazy things right, uh, out there, you know, too, too far, you know, people would for years, for years, people said, they still, they still say it. It's, it's been wrong for a long time. They'll talk about, you know, is this for the Mac or the PC? Well, what's the PC? You don't mean the PC. You don't mean the IBM PC. You mean the the API and hardware stack that is, you know, <laughs> Intel and Windows. Uh, right. so there's, there's been no IBM PC for a long time. You, you can, you can get that implementation of, of that stack from Intel and, uh, and Windows from, you know, all these components, just like you said. But, but if they hadn't allowed that, if they had said, no, you're going to program directly to our API, um, and we can change things underneath you, then, yeah, there may be a, a big rich uh, mix of, of, of weird vendors out there.
0: I think that hardware would be a lot more expensive. Uh let's say a video card, you would have to buy a video card that's specific to a machine. And so if that company, let's say NVIDIA, wanted to create video cards for lots of different machines, then they would have to that, that, that would make it a lot more expensive for them to uh to develop. Yeah. If if they were making for specific machines. So I really think that hardware would just be way more expensive and would be tailored to Individual. Well, I, I think uh, you're you're machines. definitely
2: right. I mean, we. The, I mean, they. When I was, you know, doing, you know, kind of big Unix development in the in the mid '90s, that was where we were. Was on very expensive hardware, you know, from Silicon Graphics and Sun and HP and IBM. All that's gone now. It's all Intel running Windows or Linux, and it's and the world's better for it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I would be
1: inclined to yeah agree there. As many years as I've spent. Um, hating on microsoft without that standard uh you're right the world would would the computing world would be nowhere near as good as it is now but maybe a another standard uh would have emerged i mean it would have to if if it was going to survive outside of the specialized very expensive hardware market and if it didn't then The proliferation of microcomputers in every home may not have happened. It may have been relegated to businesses. The internet would still be there, but the web, even if it was technically feasible, may not have become anywhere near as popular. Um, And we may not have mobile devices, and we would be socializing with each other and playing more board games.
2: (laughs) No, that's a really good point, Chris. I think you make is that Okay, so so the question, you know, is what if Microsoft never existed? But for the longest time, Microsoft's statement, like their vision statement, their mission statement was something like a computer on every desk and in every yeah. home. And so, right. so so, that was their mission, right, was to democratize computing in that way, right? And, and they achieved that. Like, they got to the point where their sales were down because everybody already had a computer on every desk and every home, right? And there was no growth left, and so they had to do different things. So so what if so what if the winner that you guys described had a different mission a different you know their mission hadn't been that I that, I think it I, I think you just made the, that point that, yeah the, the if Microsoft hadn't won that it would be a totally different world It
0: would be and that that leads me to uh the last part actually unless you guys have more more to say about this uh but if not I I was uh, I, have one last thing. I was wondering uh, go go ahead before I uh before I say this final thing, some
1: of the best mice and keyboards to ever have been made would never exist.
0: That's true. My first optical mouse was a Microsoft mouse. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, so who would be the label the evil company? You know, the, you know how everybody associates Microsoft as being evil. Which now, with this enlightening podcast, I see that. If they were evil, they were definitely a necessary evil because I think the world is uh, is better uh, because because they they did what uh, they were round and, and did their thing. But uh, who would be the evil company? Would be uh, would it be Jack Trimmel's, uh evil Atari computers, <laughs> or you know, with their "business is war" slogan? Um,
1: just uh, just wondering there. I don't I don't think I would have it in me to hate Gary Kildall. I don't know. Something about him is just a truly likable guy. I don't see DRI being the, at least, hated company. Uh, Evil and hated. They don't necessarily go hand in hand. But um, I I don't want to believe that it would be digital research. However, if they did become
0: the standard with IBM, maybe. I mean, so a lot of business practices that Microsoft did landed them in court many times and that's why that's why you know programmers even started saying that it was you know, that it was it was hard to deal with them or uh, you know or they were quote you know they're calling the evil company uh because they would drive other businesses out of business um so it's kind of like a plopping a walmart and it taking over mom and pop shops so that's that's why uh would gary killed all and DRI have done that. Uh, I don't know. But uh, but I, I want to say that probably not. He didn't seem like that type of person. Or
1: uh, maybe mm-hmm. Gary getting a taste for victory um, would have went pure diagnostic Evil and we would be giving him the nickname Gary Kill All.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I somehow think that Jack Trammell would have won
2: on top there. He He would have done something to to I, screw DRI over. I just want to put in a vote for Apple. Apple could have been a very evil company, I think.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I absolutely I agree. Um I I actually I I don't hate them today, but I definitely don't like some of their business practice. Uh so so I can definitely see them being the quote-unquote evil company today. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: I, I, if 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 Microsoft and IBM hadn't kept them honest in in like, mm-hmm. you know, through the through the late 80s early 90s, and they hadn't had the near death of experience uh, in the mid nineties, um, I think they could, they would have a, have had a lot more power to tell people what to do and what they could do and what they couldn't do. Uh, I mean, so like the, like the, like the, like the early Macintosh era, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, you, you build apps their way. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you right. had to go buy a Lisa, which costs like 10 grand to even like mm-hmm. develop software for the early Macintosh. It was totally not like the IBM world where, where anybody on an IBM can develop software for an IBM, right? And so, so what if, so what if Apple had a monopoly and and uh, and, and and leverage that? Uh, it's it's totally possible to consider them, uh, you know, as being the evil winner there. I
0: agree. I can I can definitely see Apple being the next evil company. Absolutely. There's th- there's things now that they do that I I don't like. You know, I I wasn't able to load a a West Sierra on my 2009 Mac Pro. Why? Because, well, the 2010 is the one supported, not 2009. Come on. (laughs) So yeah, that's, um, I can see them doing that. Um, any, anything else uh, you all want to add to this? I have a small list of, uh, things that allowed Microsoft to solidify their position, but I wanted to, uh, kind of give you all the opportunity to say, uh, well, I, I just
2: want to put it in a vote. I already I already nominated Apple as the evil company, but I wanted to, I want to paint a, a, a more bleak scenario for you. Mm-hmm. The web doesn't exist, but but at the time the web is taking off, people are trying to dial up and trying to plug things into each other and they're trying to get connected and they're trying to unify around how to communicate. And at that time, I, I knew people like businessmen who were like on the you know, like had uh connections to these systems, they'd have like a a prodigy address, an AOL address, a copy server address, just so they could receive an email on any of those systems because they may be getting an email from somebody. What if AOL had one? What if AOL had won? Like everything, like anything you wanted to do, you'd have to go get permission from AOL. Like if I want to build a website and what we would think of as a website, an application, I'd have to go get permission from them to do it. That's not a world that, that you want to live in.
0: No, no. It seems
2: like a world that we're running headlong back into. Yeah, there's definitely a tension there, and we got to keep that from happening, if we possibly can.
1: (laughs) All of our uh, messaging systems um, have become siloed again. Uh, Most people spend all of their time on on Facebook, do all of their messaging on Facebook. Uh, There are pages on Facebook, which is very much like pages that were on AOL.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Google Plus uh, has their own, uh, Google has its own ecosystem too. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I can see how we're, uh-huh, uh huh, how it's all coming back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I agree. Uh, AOL uh, winning would be a dark, bleak, and scary future. And without
2: Microsoft, I think would have been very, very possible. And Microsoft could have made that decision, right? They could have said, "Hey, we're going to back AOL instead of instead of backing the web." They could have, or or any
0: other company that that uh, that would have replaced Microsoft. Uh, I don't know, IBM's OS two, OS three, OS four, whatever it might be now, or yeah. they might have backed up AOL or uh, or CPM, Gem Windows, or whatever you want to call that. Uh, they they could have. There there is one thing that we
1: uh, we did not cover.
0: Uh, where where would Linux be? Uh, well, I I definitely see Linux still being the home uh, Unix, of course, being the uh, the enterprise software. Well, I mean, Linux has enterprise software, so I I think that Linux would absolutely be king in the enterprise software world, unless IBM, of course, made some some version of their OS two like OS two NT or something like that um which is possible but i think that without windows uh, unix would definitely have a a stronger presence on the enterprise world as far as the home market that just depends on i guess that depends on how good the the home software was well
1: let's consider that that linux got started oh jeez what, what was it g1991
2: Yeah, 91, I think. I didn't. I had it in 92. That's right. But but yeah, but I think it was 91 is when it got started.
1: And he wanted, and he wrote it as an alternative to MS DOS on his IBM 386. Now, if we didn't have the IBM standard, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, Linus would still be alive and be a uh, gifted software engineer. But without all the circumstances falling into place, would he still have written uh, Linux, or I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Stallman, GNU forward slash
0: Linux? I guess it depends on how bad CPM was at that time.
2: <laughs> yeah, what if there had been some? If there, maybe the, maybe something else, you know, would exist that that was you know multitasking on equivalent hardware, and he wouldn't have had the urge. And then the other possible outcome is, you know, maybe maybe the Unix vendors got their act together and there wasn't, I mean, because I mean, you know, uh, Torvalds, you know, had to make Linux because there was no freely available Unix at the time. Right. And, and, uh, and that was just a total colossal failure of, of AT&T and the Unix vendors to, again, just like the, just like back in the Atari and Commodore days that they didn't want portability. They said they would support it, but they really wanted to, to lock people into their version of Unix.
0: Right. Yeah, it seems like everybody was wanting to lock people into their own versions of stuff. So what we
1: keep coming back to, and this is this feels ironic, despite how, um, despite the proprietary nature of Microsoft, um, and all of the allegedly um, dirty practices they've done over the years, with without them we would not have such an open non-locked-in world that we do now yes and yes absolutely whether that was intentional or not um we come back to i'm i'm happy it happened
0: me too this podcast has uh has definitely made me see microsoft in a different way um I uh, I actually, uh, I feel, uh, I feel that, uh, that, that I, that I owe them, you know, in some way for, for me, uh, being into computers today and whatnot, uh, it, it wouldn't be the same. So I have, uh, I, I now feel gratitude for them. Same here. I feel like I just
1: dropped about a decade's worth of, uh, hatred. This was therapy. <laughs> this was, uh, therapeutic. <laughs> we should
0: change this. We should change this podcast to, uh, to, to what? Like, uh, technology therapy or something <laughs> <laughs> um i do have a list of uh of things that uh, that helped microsoft solidify their position so any other company would have had to that that wanted to be the next microsoft let's say apple or uh, whichever uh they it would have been good for them to follow this particular path uh, or this particular set and it's uh, 10 things that i wrote down uh so uh let's say DRI if they would have done all of these things they they would be the next Microsoft. Uh number 1 would be uh the deal with IBM to license uh, to to go through and uh, so so not to uh not to uh look away from the uh non-disclosure agreement that was uh that was one thing. Um so like I said when the IBM PC debuted uh Microsoft is uh the only company that offered uh, an operating system a uh, uh, programming language uh, software for the new computer uh that company whichever one it may be would have it would have been to everyone's benefit uh, including that company's to to have all of that um aggressiveness towards the market eager to sell so that's something else that uh Microsoft is very aggressive uh in uh, in marketing their software and and just um, they were kind of like a little or I guess a big Jack Trammell back then, um, so that that's something else. I have uh, here the Microsoft Mouse and Microsoft Press uh, educated and enabled users to use computers. So uh, that that would have been something else that 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 would have been good. So so that would bring the the computers out of the hobbyists and 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 included more uh uh more more people that wanted to know about computers that but but didn't or didn't have the resources to or maybe they were just afraid of computers so that brought in a lot of new uh new people to the computing world uh let's see you have quick release of business line products like Word and office so that brought in the uh, business market and so a lot of uh, revenue came from that uh vision in GUI operating systems like Windows so we and we had already discussed this that uh atari had their t o s operating system and and d r a had their gem, so we were certainly going that direction and mac had their OS so uh we were definitely going in that GUI direction uh but Microsoft also had that vision uh vision and enterprise software so um windows n T being uh, the microsoft variant so in this would it be unix would d r i have uh, some sort of uh enterprise software version of uh CPM um I have vision in the 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 web and uh I had used internet explorer as a uh, as the browser that people went to because it was included with their operating system it made it so much easier for it invited people to the web you know it it already came built in you didn't have to buy anything so that would be something else that uh that that, that would bring uh would bring that company closer to being the Microsoft now. Uh, and then I also put Vision and Home Entertainment because uh, I wanted to bring the Xbox in there and you know that's done really well too. So um, the final and most important thing that I put is appealing to the mass market by investing in marketing and just novice computer users. So uh, Microsoft pretty much put a welcome mat on on the PC world on the computing world to anybody that wanted to um to yeah to 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 use computers and uh and that's that's just uh it's amazing and uh, a lot of people hate Microsoft now but man they they definitely rolled out that welcome map for everybody so um that's the ten things that I wrote down it's the formula to uh to any company that you know if they could go back in time and do those ten things. They would be the next Microsoft. Now,
1: that's a very good and well-researched list. Thanks.
0: <laughs> um, I that's it. I don't have anything else to add to this. But uh, same here. Yeah. How about you,
2: Gene? No, that was very exhaustive. Uh, no, I, I agree with all that. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy to imagine someone else uh, coming and doing some of those things there. But yeah, they've. They've uh they've really had a, a pretty profound influence on on our whole system here. Okay, so I think we can okay. call this
1: one
0: a wrap then. I want to give a special thanks uh, to Eugene for for joining our podcast, uh, being our guest star. Um, your input has been very valuable, and uh, thank you.
2: Yes, uh, uh... my my.
0: Is my go ahead?
2: I was going to agree with everything Gero said. <laughs> well, it's, been, it's been my sincere pleasure to to, to talk with you guys tonight. It, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, and you guys have made me think about some things differently. So that's that's been that's been very very useful. Thank you very much.
1: Well, uh, thank you and thank you again for your time. Um, so that is a wrap of episode four. Until next time.
0: Till next time.
2: Hello, Chris. I also lost Chris. Oh boy.
0: <laughs> oh no. Let me. Uh. Maybe he lost the internet connection or something. Um. Type in the chat. Uh, this is gonna definitely go into <laughs> 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 Uh Man, I was about to go into OS two. <laughs> Are we? Well oh, well, oh, there
1: you go. Hey, Chris. Yeah, my welcome back. My network connection dropped out. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, Blooper time. So we're pushing an hour, and we're barely in the 90s.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's just a lot. There's just so much to... This goes in all a bunch of different directions.